This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. This week's podcast is brought to you by BHP. Copper is a big deal in the energy transition because it's used to make electric vehicles, wind turbines and solar panels. When it comes to producing copper responsibly, it's happening now at BHP. Good morning, I'm Alice Dempster. And I'm Claire Kimball. It's Friday the 9th of December. In your Squiz today, a plan for power bills, Putin pulls his nuclear threat, Cricket's tampering saga bounces back, and our most mangled words. This is your Squiz today. It's no secret that power bills have been going up in price pretty steeply this year, Claire. They're a big contributor to Aussie's cost of living woes. So the federal and state governments will be looking to figure out exactly how they can bring those prices down when they get together for today's National Cabinet meeting. So that's the meeting that was meant to be on Wednesday, but it was delayed because Prime Minister Anthony Albanese got COVID earlier this week. Uh, So it's on today and they're really racing against the clock to do something about power prices because Albanese did promise to have something in place by Christmas. And of course, that deadline is coming up very fast. Uh, Mm. And the big thing that they're discussing today at that National Cabinet meeting uh, is the federal government's request to state and territories to cap wholesale coal and gas prices. Yeah, and just to explain that a bit further, the power price jumps mostly go back to the war in Ukraine. You might remember that most of the Western world imposed sanctions on Russia's energy exports, and that's pushed up the price of coal. And that's important because coal-fired power plants produce half of Australia's electricity. So the government's idea is really that capping those coal prices will reduce the input cost, and that could be the ticket to us consumers getting lower power bills in the mail. And there'd been a bit of pushback from some states about that plan, particularly New South Wales and Queensland, where a lot of coal is mined. And that's because royalties would be reduced if the price of coal comes down. The dividend that the states are paid for the extraction of coal would be reduced. But yesterday, New South Wales Energy Minister Matt Keane, who really had been leading that charge this week, foreshadowed a bit of a thumbs up from the states that they could do a deal and move forward on capital coal prices without compensation. He said that at an energy minister's meeting in Brisbane yesterday, where the states and territories also signed off on a plan to speed up the uptake of renewable energy. Our federal energy minister, Chris Bowen, says that moving forward with renewables is really important because Australia's coal-fired power stations are ageing and could become increasingly unreliable. Yeah, they've called that plan the Capacity Investments scheme and it will see $10 billion of investment in renewables starting from next year. And it's also worth pointing out that this all comes as the ACCC, which is Australia's consumer watchdog, warns that if nothing is done, power prices could remain high until at least 2024. So there's going to be plenty of people watching to see what immediate plans come out of today's meeting. 
Russian President Vladimir Putin's made another mention of nuclear war during his country's annual Human Rights Council meeting, Claire. He says the global threat of nuclear war is rising, but he also says he'll only resort to nuclear weapons in response to an attack. Yeah, there's been a bit of contention about exactly what Vladimir Putin said. Uh, He did rule out striking with nuclear weapons first, but he didn't entirely rule it out. So what we'll see is a lot of contention about what he actually meant about all of that. Uh, Putin also warned that the war in Ukraine would be a long process. Uh, That's in contrast to what Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky said yesterday. He said that he hoped that there would be peace for his country next year. Uh, Also concerning are reports out of Kyiv that they're very worried about what's happening there, uh, particularly if the Russians keep striking energy infrastructure as they go through a really tough winter. And it's also worth mentioning that US basketballer Brittany Griner has been released by Russia as part of a prisoner exchange deal with the US. You might remember that she was arrested in Moscow for cannabis possession back in February and she's been detained ever since. US President Joe Biden says she's safe now and on a flight home. Former Aussie cricket captain David Warner's manager has dropped a bombshell claim about the 2018 ball tampering scandal, Claire. During a radio interview yesterday, James Erskine alluded to the players being told to do it by Cricket Australia executives. Yeah, he also said that he believes that more people were involved in that incident than was reported uh, at the time and since. Uh, He said that there were far more than three people involved in this thing. Of course, the three people being then cricket captain Steve Smith, uh, also player Cameron Bancroft and David Warner. He says that Warner, though, was completely villainised in the episode. Uh, Erskine made that claim just a day after Warner dropped his nine-month-long fight uh, to appeal his lifetime ban uh, to ever hold a captaincy role with the Australian cricket team. And even though Warner did have Cricket Australia's backing to lodge that appeal, reports say that he was frustrated that there was an independent review panel that was overseeing the application who wanted to revisit the whole affair and make it all very public. Yeah, and at this point, Cricket Australia hasn't commented on what Erskine had to say, but it was a tough day for Warner yesterday overall. His was an early wicket to fall in the test match against the West Indies in Adelaide. Other than that, the Aussies did pretty well, so fingers crossed for them in day two today. It's a challenge we at the Squiz know well, Claire. Pronouncing words correctly can be a bit tricky on the odd occasion, but it turns out there's some common words that people might struggle to get right. The captioning group has been compiling a list since 2016 of the words and names most often mangled by TV newsreaders, pollies and public figures. Oh, Alice, I mangle (laughs) so many words all the time and squizzes are really patient with me and patient with us more broadly, I think. Uh, But the three that they've called out, um, Donald Gleeson, he's an actor, Uh, he's Irish, so it's spelt, of course, in a very strange way, his first name. Uh, Zaporizhia, I've heard many ways of saying that since, of course, we've been talking a lot about Zaporizhia because of its role in Ukraine and a really central part of the war. But the third one is Italian. It's a Negroni Spaghetto. Uh, It's a drink. 
I like a Negroni. <laughs> I don't really care which form it comes in, a Spaghetto or something else. I'm sure I've mangled all of those three things as we go through it. Um, but, look, why it's important is these researchers say that, yes, it's humorous, uh, but it's actually a bit of an indication about how we interact with other languages and our understanding of the big wide world and our diverse cultures. Yeah, and it also turns out the simple ones can stump us as well. You might know the singing superstar of Hello as Adele, but she recently told everyone it's actually Adele. She's just been too polite to tell us all. She's still great, however you say her name. Friday lights, Claire. What are we pointing squizzes towards today? So a couple of things. I'm now definitely a backpack person. I was always a handbag person and probably a pretty big handbag person, uh, but I walk into work quite a bit, so I need a backpack these days because I'm carrying too much. When you put a laptop and all the cords and all that stuff in your bag, <laughs> uh, I'm definitely now a backpack person. So we've got a link uh, to my new backpack, which I'm really enjoying, and I've had lots of compliments on, so I reckon that's a good one. Uh, also, I've got a link to a chili oil. So if you need to gift something to your neighbour or to your colleagues or to your friends uh, that's inexpensive and pretty lovely, I firmly recommend it. Yeah, good one. There's always someone I forget to buy for, so a few jars of that on hand would be a saviour, I reckon. And I'll pop a couple of links to those in our episode notes today. And just before we go, it's another big day for Squiz Kids. Their annual Squizzy Awards podcast is out this morning. It's their chance to recognise the stinkiest, funniest, weirdest, grossest and cutest news stories of the year. And it's a lot of fun. Great to listen to with the family or if you just want to laugh, we highly recommend it. <laughs> it's a really good podcast, that one. <laughs> And that's it from us this morning. Claire, you'll be back with Kate tomorrow for the Saturday Squiz. Yep, I will. And the Squiz today will be back on Monday. Hello, it's Bryce here from Squiz Kids. Kids and fiscal policy go together like peaches and cream, which is why we're excited to present a special Squiz Kids Q&A this week with Federal Treasurer Jim Chalmers. It's the podcast where the kids of Australia get to ask the questions. Tune in to Squiz Kids today to find out how the notorious B.I.G. has helped shape next week's budget, why the Treasurer considers himself more of a three-pointer than a slam dunker, and why his toenails will be painted with glitter nail polish next Tuesday when he stands in Parliament to hand down the budget. Plus, there's a cheeky question in there about his leadership ambition. All part of our mission to engage kids in the wider news agenda. Check it out in the Squiz Kids podcast feed or via squizkids.com.au.